actually, we don't want to revert back to the way things were or how communities, you know, practice public health measures. We want to change behaviors. We want to see them sustained. A crisis lens on the pandemic in South Asia becomes a search for long-term solutions. This week on In Asia from the Asia Foundation. I'm Tracy Yang. And I'm John Rieger. It's been more than a year. Are we still talking about COVID-19, Tracy? (laughs) Yes, but it's been a year in which development practitioners have started to focus on how societies can learn from the pandemic to become more resilient. Joining us today is the Asia Foundation's Sophia Shaquille. She's the head of our Pakistan office and the international coordinator of the South Asia Regional Project to Strengthen Community Resilience to COVID-19 which is a mouthful. It's an 18-month project to address the immediate and long-term impact of COVID-19 on the most vulnerable populations of Bangladesh, India, Maldives, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. Sophia, welcome to InAsia. Thank you. So this is a big project that takes in most of South Asia. What are you trying to do? As John said, it's quite a mouthful, but this project aims to strengthen community resilience to combat myths and impacts of COVID-19. We are working through our country office networks and partners to reach communities which are most vulnerable through different kinds of interventions. So, you know, in one scenario in Pakistan, we've trained community leaders on how to manage public health measures, you know, mask wearing, what are other safe behaviors. In Sri Lanka, we've had interventions to prevent violence against ethnic minority or religious minority groups, because as we've seen, there's a lot of bias that emerges around the origins of COVID-19. A big part of this project is also to raise general public awareness. So we're employing social media to have a wider outreach. We take government policies and programs and translate them into local languages. So it's a range of interventions, um, ranging from training to mass awareness campaigns. This project reaches across five countries, uh, and yet many of the practical interventions that you're talking about are street-level things like workshops and pamphlets. What is the advantage of having such a regionally comprehensive organization? Why, why are, are there synergies there? Well, this project is supported by the European Union. And they were looking for a partner that could actually provide interventions across South Asia. Now, as we know, communities and contexts vary across the different countries and even within countries. You know, we've got urban populations, rural populations, we've got different impacts on women, we've got migrant workers and a whole range of issues that are impacting different countries in a different way. So, you know, in one context, we might be dealing specifically with preventing gender-based violence. In another context, we might just be dealing with how to support migrant workers that have been displaced. And because we have country offices with a lot of local partners and networks, we do have a lot of expertise that understands local context and how to target real issues. So that's the advantage of the Asia Foundation implementing such a large program across such a diverse set of countries and contexts. Well, the pandemic can't last forever in spite of how things may seem right now. Where do you want this project to be when the crisis is over? So when we were first asked to come up with a project design around building community resilience, we thought, okay, you know what, even when the pandemic subsides, certain things were always going to have to be in place. For example, 
basic health and hygiene awareness. We don't want to revert back to the way things were or how communities practice public health measures. So we want to change behaviors. We want to see them sustained. And, you know, we saw this program as an opportunity to start addressing some of the more deep-rooted development challenges that communities are faced with. So it sounds like your thinking has evolved from making communities COVID resilient to making them more resilient in general. That's absolutely right. And, you know, if anything that this pandemic has taught us is that there are some deep rooted inequities in service delivery that exist across South Asia. There are certain communities that are just more vulnerable to any kind of shock. So This program is kind of managed from a crisis response support lens, but I think the development challenges that we're tackling in in our respective country programs are actually going to the core of inadequate access to basic essential services. Sophia, I'm curious, how long have you been in international development? Um, My goodness, since... uh, my first job in international development was in 1995. So, so 115 years, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, so you're a development, you're a development veteran, and so from your perspective, what's new and interesting about this project? I think what's new and interesting about this project is that, first of all, we're living in a you know a different era altogether, where it's not just us as development practitioners using mobile phones social media platforms, the actual people we're trying to reach, they're also now plugged in. So we're able to reach the minds of people in a more effective manner. We're also able to connect people across larger distances. So the use of technology is an integral part of this. The other is that, you know, this program, we're working right from the grassroots level all the way up to the policy level because we're actually taking what government's policies are, let's say, vis-a-vis social protection. And we're giving out messages to communities like, look, these are assistance programs that the government is providing. But then we find out that on the ground, there's a whole bunch of people that are being left out of the net because they just don't qualify or they weren't registered or they don't have access. So then we're able to immediately feed that back through the appropriate institutional mechanisms to say that, look, there's a whole bunch of um, people that are being left out of the net. So it's a program which, when we talk about in development as an ideal development practitioner, I've always said, you know, it's good to have a comprehensive framework to tackle a problem. We often don't do it because projects end up tackling one or two or three aspects of the entire problem. I think this is a program in which we're able to take a holistic approach. Sophia Shaquille, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And that's our show for this week. You can read more about the South Asia Resiliency Project by paying a visit to this week's blog. And you can hear more stories like this one from the world of international development by visiting us at In Asia, one word, and subscribing to the In Asia podcast. Don't miss an episode. Until next time, I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Yang. Thanks for listening.